everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis. We got a lot of Biden family news going on there. We got some COVID stuff. We got some alcohol news as well, which I know you're going to be staying tuned for. But before we get to that, how you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's so nice to see you, and it was also so nice to see you in my neighborhood. Can you believe it? Mary Catherine was not only in the Garden State when I was there, but she was about 12 minutes away from where my sister lives. So when I was up there visiting and my kids were staying over there, we just went across town and visited. You were staying, you were visiting a friend. How did you like your stay in New Jersey? Oh, we had a great time. In fact, we were almost entirely confined to that house, and it was great. There was no Because there's leave. a pool, yeah. there's a view, there were Italian sandwiches brought in for me. Like, no, I had no complaints. We could have done a show there from an Italian restaurant. We could have. There are probably only one or two hundred in Tom's River. This is, this so. is, by the way, the power of extroverts, which is like, we're only 12 miles apart. We should definitely get together. Whereas... Maybe his wife and my husband would be like, "Why we don't, I mean, you guys talk all the time. Do we really? 12 miles, 12 minutes. 12 minutes. We were 12 minutes 12, apart. I mean, so it's like, I know I said, I'm going to see her, but she's right there. And when are we, when, how often does this happen? It's too crazy. I, I feel like as a sort of de facto mayor yes. of the town, well, an honorary, or at least an honorary, I have to go and say hi. As I said, at when we met up, Steve's best friend lives in your neck of the woods. Yeah. And he is a real supernova of personality and extroversion, I said, between the two of Friendly you guys, guy. I think we could win New Jersey. Like, if we just uh, got you guys it's working on it. It's a power ticket. It's a power ticket. We check off all the boxes. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. So the other thing is, several episodes ago, I teased that I had some big news coming up, but I couldn't, didn't want to reveal what it was. Yes. I've had people ask me about this. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, had I known the full nature of the event that I was going to be involved in, I would have shared it, which is this. My sister tells me some time ago, oh, we're going to go to a Blue Shores, uh, Jersey Shore, a Blue Claws game. They used to call it Lakewood Blue Claws, but now they want to be more inclusive of the area. Okay. Fine. So it's what, Jersey Shore Blue uh, Claws. What level of it is ball is a this? single high A. Okay. So it is a farmish team. It's not AAA, right? But they still is, they're, they're kind of a feeder in the feeder system for the Phillies. Gotcha. And she says, we're going to a game on Saturday. My sister likes to sometimes get a little box there where you can have, you know, it, it's nice to have a little sweet because you have air conditioning, depending on the weather, food, drink, it's wonderful. Nice. And she said also they asked if anyone would be interested in giving out, doing the opening pitch. Dun, dun, dun. My brother-in-law immediately said no. He didn't want to, although I, it would have been great to see him because he's a giant Dutch man. Yes. And the velocity would have been terrifying. But I said, you know what? What the heck? There you go. I'll do it. On behalf of- He's taking chances, folks. On behalf of the Free Beacon and the Getting Hammered podcast, I'm going to do it. So this happened more than a month ago, and I started practicing. So I'd go to a field. It has to be 60 feet and six inches. I practiced with my son, my father-in-law in Connecticut, just back and forth, trying to get, I don't care about if I'm just a little high, right? Or if I'm beyond, to the left, to the right. All I did, all, my only concern was I don't want to bounce it, right? Because I think about George Bush and the famous 9-11 opening pitch. Yes. And Derek Jeter said, first of all, you got to go on the mound, otherwise they'll boo you. And then when you pitch it, don't bounce it because they'll boo you. And I spoke to my old friend, Fred Barnes, 
who gave up the opening pitch at Fenway Park. Dang. And he said to me, go on the mound or don't go at all. And that's what Fred said. Okay. And so I said, okay, here we go. We're going to do it. So I show up at the, the park and it turns out I am. I just want to say this, yes. this is a very high stakes. This is, uh, you won't believe just how much anxiety. Oh, I, I, I had two bad dreams about it. Well, so it's one thing to do something that you're used to doing. Oh, sure. In front of a crowd, right? Like, like I speak in front oh, right, of crowds. Right, sure. We do this for a living. I speak in front of panels, crowds. I can panels, go. We do this. I can TV, go. TV. You do TV, right? But if you're asked to do something that you're not used to doing, also in front of a crowd, yeah, that is a real muscle memory thing that you have not developed the muscle memory for. That is scary. It's like me. Like the one that comes comes to my mind is every time I go bowling. I haven't gone bowling in ten years. And it's not that I'm terrible at bowling, but my body does not know what it's doing from any given yeah. moment to the next. So right. sometimes I'm dead on and then one will just go gutter balls three feet in. So that's the risk. There's that is a the wide risk. range of outcomes so for this moment for in the, front of all of your friends and family and your range. home state. And there was a lot of people at this game. All right. It and was if against... you want to remain mayor, you need to Yes, that's be right. And it was, in, it was they, were, they were playing the number one team in, in, in their uh, division, which is wow. the uh, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. They play at the Cal Ripken Stadium off 95 in, in Maryland. So they were up there playing. And I would say six or seven out of ten practice pitches, I'd get it in the area without a bounce, right? Okay. My son catching, and he'd give me the nod, or my father-in-law say, that's good. But four out of those 10 times, you get greedy. You're Fauciing it? I'm total Fauci, 50 cent, McGregoring it. And what happens is, well, you can see this on Instagram because I'm holding the ball, you know, across the stitch, and you want to launch it kind of in this sort of, you know, in the throwing manner. But if you wait too late when you do that, it's going straight into the ground. It is going straight into the ground. Yeah. And so we laugh at these people with their horrible pitches. And suddenly I'm like, I know exactly what they were trying to do because mm-hmm. I just did it. And my son would just look at me and shake his head like, you, you know, don't push it. Don't to push it. To be judged by your no, teenager no. is release, also a beautiful release, part of this. Release early, not release late. So okay. we get to the place and I show up to the activities kiosk and I said, hi, I'm here for the opening pitch. And she said, oh, great. Just wait here with the others. The others. Oh. There was like, I don't know, a dozen of us. <laughs> they is, broke us up into two groups. This, that's more than a baseball team. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, oh. <laughs> and we came in all shapes and sizes. And we're now waiting in a tunnel. And it's like 90 degrees in the tunnel. Somebody behind me said something about like, oh, are there are other people giving the opening pitch. And I turned around and to the whole crowd in the tunnel, I said, how many of you thought you were the only one giving the opening pitch? And they all started to laugh, which was funny. <laughs> but the other thing is, the woman in front of me, her daughter was pitching. She turns to me. She goes, I'm sorry. Did that person say your name is Victor Mattis? Are you Victor Mattis? I said, that's me. She goes, oh, turns out we went to the same high school. But oh, she was a freshman when I was a senior. So small world. We go out there on the field. Also, they said, you're not allowed on the mound. Well, uh, pressure's off now, right? Yeah, well... Now you're now you're feeling better. Now feeling I'm feeling right. better. I'm feeling good. And I'm wedged in between two people. The person in front of me is a five-year-old. Her name is Vanessa. She's adorable. <laughs> the person behind me, his name is Mike. And he's blind. Okay. And he had his dog. So his, you feel like yeah, I, you can perform. Yeah. On the other hand, 
if I happen to do worse than the five-year-old a, girl and blind Mike, that is then a, now I'm in real trouble, right? That is a fair point. And blind point. Mike's uh, German Shepherd was licking my leg in the tunnel up and down. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if they're supposed he to do that. He was trying to psych you out. I, <laughs> he was. He was trying to okay. psych you out. So by the time it got to me, I would like to say all of my fr- uh, family and friends hooting and hollering in the, in the upper raft, I can hear them. And they introduced me as from the Washington Free Beacon and the Getting Hammered podcast. Yes. So that was very exciting. And excited. the crowd was like, ha, ha, that is a silly name for a podcast, which is what everybody thinks. But maybe they're going to check it out because it is Jersey Getting Hammered. True. So, you know, it, when Fred Barnes threw out uh, the opening pitch at Fenway Park, he said the downside was it was to a ball person. It was like a ball girl. Okay. Not like one of the pitchers from the yeah, Red Yeah, because you, you want the leeway of a real catcher. Yes. Yes. So I got the real catcher. Nice. From the Blue Claws. And he is on his knees. He's squatting. He is in that position. And after the girl does a very short throw and the announcer makes a joke that, oh, you know, working on your, you know, infield game, yeah. your, your, you know, the whole thing, your, your, your grammar. So anyway, he introduces me. I look at the catcher. He's down there on haunched, haunched down on his knees with the, with the glove open. And he just gives me the nod. Yeah. I throw it. He doesn't even almost have to even move the glove. He barely moved the glove, caught the ball. He looked at me. He didn't even have to get up, and he just gives me the nod. The crowd went wild. That was it. It was so exciting. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And that, was- uh, and that was it, even though, I mean, and I looked at my I, – I had to adjust my throw, obviously, because I didn't have to give I it mean, my all. I mean, you're an expert now. But it was just – and it probably sailed maybe 30, 40 miles an hour. It was, it was a real fast one. And, and that was it. So that was my experience, in case you're all it. wondering. And I didn't want to tell anybody ahead of time because I was too scared. That's exactly what I would do. That's exactly what I would do. I had to, Guy Benson did yes. this at a Braves game. Oh. And it. I was almost insane with, with sympathetic nerves for him. I wasn't even at the place, but I was. I the so thought terrified. of this yeah, was no, so scary terrifying. to me. I think that I, if I were in the same position, I would just... It's nice that you could throw with your son because I think I would just stop parenting for several weeks and only do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like mama's right. got to practice her throws again, sweetie. No, no, no. If you can catch, you can hang out with mama. But other than that, no. That's that's exactly right. And help my father-in-law. He was a high school baseball player. He's a big star. So anyway. How, I love it. How, Mary Catherine, how are you? You know what? I'm good. And I like to think that the half a cocktail we gave you before you left for the game was yes. really what got you to the perfect equilibrium. That was the, was that a margarita? I don't know. What it was, was a margarita, crushed ice. It also helped, and, and I didn't even notice I had my gout at the time, which I still have, <laughs> by the way. All right. Well, let's get to the next. All right, let's do it. Well, I have a little update quickly about the Biden family yes. that, that broke on Friday night. And I just want to put it out there. It's in People magazine. President Biden speaks out on Hunter's daughter for with Arkansas woman. Jill and I only All want right. what's best. So I just wanted to give everyone that update. They did acknowledge this child in People magazine in a massaged and as positive as possible piece. This is a Friday night news dump during the summer of your seventh granddaughter. That's what this is. Don't anybody get Friday it twisted. Friday night, yeah. Friday night, mm-hmm. news dump. Our son and Navy's mother, London, are working together to foster a relationship that is in the best interests of their daughter after four years of her trying to fight for recognition, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward, President Biden said in a statement provided exclusively to people. 
you know, it's a family matter. Jill and I only want what's best for all of our grandchildren, which now includes the seventh. And like, God, God bless this child. It might be better not to be part of this crew. But I find it so detestable that you Friday night news dump your grandkid. Yes. I think Scott Jennings on CNN was amazing on this. He was on this round table hosted by Casey Hunt. We'll play that for you. Oh, good. But Scott Jennings, the president has made being a family man yeah. a central part of his political identity. Uh, it's not Republicans, with all due respect, who made Hunter Biden into a complete scumbag on this and other issues. The, the ignoring his own daughter for four years and the president of the United States hanging up a stocking for the dog, I mean, the dog and not for his seventh grandchild. Okay, look, okay, can all, we, can also have some, we can also have we, sympathy for people who are struggling with addiction. Let's right, keep this conversation right. respectful. I, 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 listen, I, I totally agree. And you know where I'm from? A lot of families deal with addiction. And you know who ends up picking up the pieces? The grandparents. And in this case, the grandparents would not acknowledge this little girl. It is offensive. But the bottom line is... But they have now. The poll... <laughs> Oh, what a hero. The polling must have been yeah, brutal. Just the polling sure must have been brutal. No, no never I love, by the way, how Casey, you know, comes to the Biden defense. Oh, no, he's a, he's he's acknowledged her mm -hmm. now, you know, just, you know, out of the goodness of his own heart. He felt like doing this. But as, as Jennings points out, for a long time, it was six stockings plus one for the dog. Yeah. In the White House. The dog who bit a bunch of people, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the killer dog, really. Because he's also been failed by yeah. these people. Yeah. It's I, uh, unbelievable. I mentioned it on Fox News the other day with Harris Faulkner. We were talking about it. And this is a trick that the left plays, which is you are impolite for noticing the disgusting thing oh. that this Democratic politician has done. And it's like, well, no, it was actually impolite to deny the child for four years yeah. and three and a half of which I think three, at least three of which we knew for sure. She was Hunter's. That was the impolite thing. Just like with the late Senator Ted Kennedy, it's actually not impolite to point out that he left a woman to drown in a car. It was rather impolite it, for it him is, to have done so. It's rude to bring up Chappaquiddick. It really is. It's, it's yeah. not something you do in mixed company. Vic. No, 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 no. It's very uncouth of you. So, so. I object to that standard. We are, yeah. no, we are allowed yeah. to notice the nasty things they're so doing. So now we're at seven. But the interesting thing is, I feel like the media is now ready to move on now that Joe Biden has, of course, done the right thing because he's a family man. He he's cares a family, for his family. He loves all the kids. Man, he's such a family man. End of it, discussion. It turns out that despite his his statements that he never talked to his son Hunter about his business dealings, <laughs> that his son Hunter's former business partner and part of the Burisma board testified to the oversight committee this week that in fact Joe was on the phone. During Hunter's business meetings, yeah. some 20 times over speakerphone. So we have a new story, a new story, Vic, on this front. Uh, I don't remember the old story. Was it that he had said that he loves well, his son and he talks about business all the time? I think that's what Biden said. Oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's do a, a, a retrospect, shall we? Here's, here's Joe. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. 
And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business Yes, I stand him? by that statement. I did not know he was on the board of that company. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. No, 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 well, no. I think what what they must have cut out the part on the uh, video here, there, where he said, I've never discussed uh, business with my son beginning now. <laughs> yes, it's amazing how they changed this narrative. And again, it goes back to 1984. We've always been at war with East Asia. What's mm -hmm. wrong with you? And then everything else gets memory hold. So we have all that video evidence and audio evidence, those clips that you just played of Joe Biden flat out denying and it's interesting because the White House just moves along and now says, nope, it's that they've talked about it. He's brought it up. Of course he has. You know, well, why shifted. wouldn't you? Well, and, and first it shifted from he's never talked to his son right. about any of this to he's never been in business with his son. That's at right. which point Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked, hey, isn't that a different line than you used to say? And why did you change the line? And she said, nothing has changed. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Then after Devin That's Archer. another great line testifies after Devin Archer testifies we have Representative Goldman who's sort of a like default lawyer for the Bidens basically yes. come out to talk about these revelations and he and here's what he has to say this is yesterday doesn't contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates clearly he talked whether about the weather or whatever but he said specifically that he's never talked to them doesn't this contradict him? I don't know what his comment is and if we're gonna well I don't I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, well, is he supposed to say, hi, son? Oh, no, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. The son is at dinner with, and that is literally all the evidence is. It's it's a great tactic, by the way, for uh -huh. Goldman, because the one thing is, well, I don't know what he said. And then the other part is, I don't think that's what he said. Right. And you're hoping that the reporters aren't going to say, well, here it is, Here's and I'll play for you, because we have now... In the olden days, meaning not that long ago, several years ago, you wouldn't be able to do this. But now you could actually bring up on your right. phone the thing. And then the response to that is, I don't have time to watch this right now. That'll well, be the next line. And it's such an amazing evolution from never oh, yeah. spoke to, to never was in business with, to it'd be preposterous if he hadn't spoken to these people. Right. So now we're at, it did happen, but it's good that it happened because... You know, yeah. he's just a normal dad talking on the phone with his son. It's it, it's the same line with critical race theory. Of course, we don't t discuss it. That's a Republican yes. ploy. And yes, we do. And oh, by the way, we should. And what's wrong with you for thinking that we don't? Exactly. What do they say? The line is that they talked about the weather. Is that right? Yes. They talked that niceties were exchanged. Niceties, should he, they uh, talked about the weather. That's that's, a like, bit. that's an REM song. Should we talk about the weather? Right. Yes. I think that's pop song. Here's here's CNN, by the way, because it's, it's important how this is framed. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the press, by the way, we should note, has already been engaged in a total censorship regime along with social media of a Hunter Biden story that was real, that we were not allowed to talk about in the run up to 2020. 
So it's, it's important how they respond to these types of things. Here's how it's framed on CNN. So Goldman's sort of explaining that Archer qualified uh, the, the topics of discussion on these phone calls as niceties that Biden sometimes didn't even know who was um, in, on the other line with his son, Hunter. And, you know, sources in the room telling CNN now that Archer did not point the finger directly at any sort of a connection between Joe Biden and his son's foreign business dealings and rather, you know, um, said that he was, that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of said access. Horace? Really a stunning development, Zach, when you consider that Republicans were selling this as, as a breakthrough that would link Hunter's business dealings with his father. Instead, business was apparently never discussed, according to Devin Archer. Mm, mm, stunning, stunning development of nothingness is what that, that's how they're reading this. By the way, the illusion of access is the line that everybody's hitting on here. He was selling the illusion of access. Do you know what it? It it's is amazing how to, far they're bending to call backwards. someone to call the vice president on the phone 20 times in business meetings and get him on the phone. That's access. Yeah, that is not the illusion of it's not a, if he was faking that he was on the phone. Maybe this is. Yes, because of his drug addiction, which was the earlier story. Do you remember that? It never like this oh, is going oh, involving yeah. CEFC China and the WhatsApp where he says, ah, oh, my father's right here. Oh, he wasn't really right there. And in this case, of course, oh, here he is. I'm going to call him 20 times. Well, the weather keeps on changing. By the way, one, ask him how the one of is. the events that Archer testifies to is a dinner at Cafe Milano with some Russian oligarch that his dad drops by. And it's like, yeah, nothing untowards going on at no. Cafe Milano. No, no big deals get done there. I'm sure that meant nothing. And they said something about the weather. I mean, this is ludicrous to ask you to believe. So I think I mentioned this on the last episode that when this plea deal uh, breakdown happened with Hunter Biden, right, in Delaware, where he was supposed to plea. Uh, if you can keep the legal issues separate, which we attempt to. Yes, if we, yes, thank you. Uh, and he was going to plea down at two, a misdeme two misdemeanors and then a diversionary thing for, for the tax issues and the gun. And while this was happening and the, 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 the plea deal collapses, CNN, of course, was not focused on that at all. And then when this Devin Archer story was coming up, their emphasis this time around was, did the Republicans overpromise? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, then when it happens, they can say, yep, they sure did. Because it turns out they told us and the Biden administration, the White House says nothing happened. So nothing happened. End right. of discussion. Right. Yeah, we're and done here. The rest of the time they're talking about this manager from Mar-a-Lago being released on bail. Yeah. Or the next impending <laughs> Trump indictment, which we hear, of course, on Getting Hammered. We'll talk about that one yes. as well when it happens. But in their case, all they want to talk about. And right before we taped the show, Mary Catherine, I just saw um, Chiron on, on CNN was asking if the Hunter, the Hunter Biden, Devin Arch thing was a dud. Was oh, it yeah. a dud? Because, yeah. you know, he was supposed to have a, f a f video and audio of Joe Biden actually committing the murders. Right. And uh, they didn't have like, it. So they're, well, tr they're treating us like we were born yesterday, that the act yeah. of getting the vice yeah. president on the phone in these meetings is not the signal that, yes, I have the access that when you need it, I will get in touch with this man. That right. is what is happening right. in that transaction. A new spin just dropped this morning, too. I want to I want to play yeah. for you. This is. This is Morning Joe, and it's a doozy. Are you ready for this one? No. Kinds have been remarkably candid about saying, and we don't have it yet. And even House Speaker McCarthy last week sort of 
push back against this impeachment inquiry uh, momentum because he was like, look, we don't have evidence to go that far. And as far as Hunter Biden goes, there's no doubt. I mean, it's pretty clear, even those close to the Biden family suggest that some of his behavior is pretty unseemly. It doesn't make it illegal. And it also means we don't know the role that then Vice President Biden may have played. And it seems like, no, they haven't proven that he had anything to do with it. They haven't proven that he profited from this at all. Yet maybe he is guilty of turning a blind eye to some of his son's uh, behavior. And we should put this in context. This is a time when Beau Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then, and then passed away. Uh, so perhaps he was not as attentive to what he should have been here. But again, there has simply been no evidence, Gene Robinson, no evidence at all that he was profiting from this or he or that either of them committed a crime when it came to this. And we hear here from Comer and other Republicans, it's wishful thinking. They're trying to create yeah. a scandal when there's no evidence that they have one. Yeah, they're trying to create a scandal or at least the appearance of a scandal, the, the sort of, uh, you know, smokiness of a scandal uh, and, and, and just create that atmosphere uh, without actual evidence and without an actual scandal, um, because, I th you know, I think it's pretty clear, at least so far, there is nothing there. Uh, there is nothing there. Uh, you could certainly argue that at, at some point, if, if Hunter Biden put um, uh, President Biden on the speakerphone for like 20 times, um, you could certainly ask whether at some point he, uh, President Biden might have said, hey, Quit putting me on speakerphone. Uh, you know, are, are you having a business meeting? Like, what, what is that about? But, um, but the context is that uh, this was a, a, a sort of very fraught and and sad time for the Biden family, and we know how important family is uh, to the president. And so, do you hang up on your phone on your on your son uh, at, at any time? But certainly at a moment like that, and probably the answer is no. You heard that right, Vic. He says that because his other son was dying yeah. and diagnosed with brain cancer, yeah. tragically, that you know he might have just lost sight of not engaging in outright corruption with his son <laughs> that's really something I, to, I i don't think i can I, you can't outdo that and if you were trying to parody it that's would be very hard to that's quite a bit eugene because... robinson by the way helps out by following oh, sure. up with we know how important family is to the president so do you hang up on your son that Again, the I... crime as claire mccaskill said on msnbc also you know he, he, they're going to get joe biden on the crime of loving his son a child, really. The child, the 53-year-old child. Let's, but let's treat him as a minor because yeah. that's basically yeah, how he functions. You're not supposed to talk about the president's kids. Oh, my uh, goodness. I'd also like to add to that. Remember the, the USA Today headline. Please. Which, well, I don't have the actual headline in front of me Hold here. On. But Hold it, on. I, okay. I believe Wait. you sent me the okay. link and we shall find it. Da, 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 da. This is your hold music for getting hammered. We will be right with you in just a second. All right. Hunter Biden's foibles provide ammunition for Republicans who want to inflict harm on Joe Biden ahead of 2024 presidential campaign. That is a real tweet from USA Today. We did not make that up. Hunter Biden's foibles, you know, the foible of trying to hide $11 million <laughs> and funneling it to prostitutes and sex clubs. That's a foible. I myself guilty of some foibles oh, in my life. Man, you know? if that's the standard for foibles, I'm all set. 
We're going to be racking up foibles. Yeah. And also about you know harming. Yeah. The Republicans harming, doing oh, harm. Which harm to... is a negative thing. It's in... like doing something bad. Inflict harm on a loving on, on, father. On, on, on an old man. Just as he's about to reach his second term. It's That's so right. mean. It's, it's so very, mean. It's very, it's very mean. And they must have had to go to the, you know, thesaurus. And look up a different word for pounce. <laughs> and harm apparently had come up as a related uh, thing. Wow. I want to bring up something that Guy Benson put the dots together on. Mm-hmm. He was obviously part of this story is the confidential informant form that alleges that there was $10 million that went to the pair of Bidens yeah. to assure by, these were paid by Burisma to assure that this prosecutor that was going after Burisma yeah. would be fired in Ukraine. Now, we know that Biden was interested in getting that guy fired because right. he said it out loud in a speech in, I believe, 2018. So Guy Benson's writing about that. He says, back to the fired Ukrainian prosecutor. Top executives at Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, were paying Hunter Biden a million dollars a year just to work there. Despite any of his lack of experience. They placed constant pressure on Hunter Biden to get help from D.C. regarding a prosecutor who was investigating the company. Said prosecutor had already seized some of some of the assets of this company. Lo and behold, a private phone call was placed to D.C. to get the help they sought per Archer. This is part of his Mm -hmm. testimony. The Obama administration's point person on Ukraine at the time, not coincidentally, was Hunter's father, the vice president of the United States. Soon after, one billion in U.S. taxpayer aid for the government in Kiev was made contingent upon the corrupt, quote-unquote, prosecutor being fired. The man, Victor Shokin, was fired. The aid was then unlocked and flowed to Ukraine as promised. Don't take my word for it. We know this because Joe said it out loud. Crucially, this appears to align with what that FBI confidential informant attested to in the FD-1023 memo we've written about. So it looks like from Devin Archer's testimony, plus this thing, we either have two people talking about this incident with the $10 million, or Devin Archer is the informant, and he's also talking here. Either way, we have more evidence of this $10 million interaction. Did I mention the proprietor of Mar-a-Lago got released on bail? So <laughs> That's all we're allowed to talk yes. about. Yes. Well, the thing with Devin Archer is they're trying to give him as little credence as possible. You know, and of course- They call him an Abercrombie and Fitch model. Yes. <laughs> okay. Interesting. That's interesting. Probably at that time. And he was, uh, you know, uh, convicted on fraud charges, right? I think he was- uh, the, the issuance of fake bonds from Indian tribes worth like $60 right, million. Right. Dollars. Oh, so you... they wanted to put him away. They wanted to put him in jail. And the question was, did the, did the DOJ want him carted off to jail before he testified? They say no now, but it was it was curious, the timing of their pressuring, you know, Bureau of Prisons say, get this guy to, to start his time in jail. Uh, that's the one thing. The, the second thing I wanted to bring up with Devin Archer is you don't hear a lot about him unless it's bad in the mainstream. And I couldn't help but think about Michael Cohen. I know, so strange. Remember Michael Cohen, who was Trump's bagman, body yes, man, whatever yes. you would call who it. Who was wholly man. untrustworthy until the oh, second. Also convicted on, you know, fraud. You until know, the and, moment yeah. that he hated Trump, and then oh. he was completely trustworthy. We're going to have Michael Cohen on after the commercial break because he says the president used the N word. Do you remember that oh, one? They got yes. so excited. Yes. Uh, can I just bring one more? New York Times observation oh, sure. into this into this discussion. This is buried way, way buried. down. Yeah, 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 sure. In Biden spoke with Sons Associates, but not about business, former partner says. 
And way down in the story, I would say two paragraphs before the end of the story, mm, we have... The penultimate. We have, it has long been known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partners. Do we, have we long known that, New York Times? Because I feel like you guys have been involved in a four-year campaign to tell us we have not known that. Yeah, but again... And uh, suddenly, we've long known. No, we've always been at war with Eurasia. The, you know, when the plea deal collapsed... John Podorts pointed this out because he wanted to look for the story on the New York Times website, the front page. Nothing. There was nothing. Well, it's just an Abercrombie and Fitch model. That's all. And it he's was. just testifying to Republicans. Yeah. And he just knows that Joe and Hunter were on speakerphone 20 times because Joe just loves Hunter a lot. By the way, and I was, he was going through something. I was thinking about Dan Goldman and the ridiculous statements he has now with, of course they talked uh, on the phone. It would be preposterous, would be preposterous for them not to. to talk. Do you think he's, A, testing the waters to see if this particular thing works because he's just a congressman? or And, see, and if, if it does work, then the White House will follow suit and then the media will play along. Or is he just trying to soften the blow because it's coming? You know? I think I think they're slow walking this. Yeah, they're violating the rule of crisis comms, which is like get all the bad stuff out quickly. Right. But to be fair to them, there's so much bad stuff. I'm not sure you can spill it all at one time. Now, yeah. here's the thing about that, though, akin to Trump's entire life, he's never been able to get all the bad stuff out at, at one time because it's just a trail yeah. of shady stuff, no, right? Absolutely. And eventually, it just inures people to the idea. That any of this matters. Right. So maybe Biden will just reach that tipping point and this side of the electorate will not care and this side of the electorate will not care. And then the two possibly felonious former presidents will fight each other, not to the death, but to have the Oval to the, Office. To, the, to become the most powerful person in the world. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. Two candidates, the other one may end up also getting impeached by the House. Yep. That could happen. Yep. And of course, yeah, and, and both indicted. And somehow everybody seems fine that they're making it, their way. It does seem insane to me that, uh, that the nominations that, that the press is like after chasing Russian ghosts for four years, they're just like, you look, he says there's nothing here, man. He says there's nothing yeah. here. So I think we're done here. That's right. I guess we'll <laughs> never know because the only way to know is if we dug and we're not digging. <laughs> All right. A little 2024 update. We did last week talk about the story about the florida ap black history yeah. courses the the curriculum for that course had been contested a long time ago over crt elements and political elements within it so then florida put together a group of scholars including many african-american scholars to say okay let's put together a different curriculum it does not does not include those things but includes history now of course to the left this means you're wiping out all of history if you're not doing crt that is, of course, not what's happening, but it became an attack line from Trump. And then it became an attack line from several other Republicans. Byron Donalds picked this up and yeah. said it was disappointing, even though he lives in Florida and yeah. this was an open process and happened while he was representing the people of Florida and did not get involved at that time. All despite the fact that the African-American scholars on this group that put this together are like, hey, this is real stuff. And then Tim Scott also objected to it. John James of Michigan. Oof. Yeah. So it was quite a, a pile on on this thing. Now, I've read all about this because I thought, oh, my gosh, well, if this allegation is real, that's really problematic. It's not real. No. 
It's not real. This is one line in a 200-page curriculum that people are claiming Florida is featuring. They're not. That people are claiming is offensive on its face. It's not. And then several of the people who spoke up about this sort of fabricated a quote. They didn't really attribute it to DeSantis, but they used the term, how dare you? Slavery was not a, quote, net benefit to slaves. Right. No one ever said that. No one ever said yeah. that. What's By it? the way, I, but I, I do want to say, we mentioned on a previous episode about how this, this models what was previously in the AP yeah. study. And it's the notion that. that enslaved people gathered specialized skills sometimes within the evil construct that is slavery in which they had no freedom. They nonetheless got skills that once they found yeah. freedom or earned freedom or escaped, they were able to put to use in other ways. This was... This is not a controversial notion. This is giving enslaved people agency and talking about what happened to them. Okay, here's DeSantis responding. This is talking to Fox News. Kamala Harris got on a jet at taxpayer expense and flew to Florida to lie about the African-American history standards that were developed. Understood. Why, Why is this important, though? One, well, you, you, you're asked about it a lot, but so you that's can't, what you're no, saying. No, I'm saying it is important. Why? You can't bend the knee to the left's lies. When the left lies and creates these phony narratives, you've got to push back. They've been doing this to Republicans for years and years. Republicans bend the knee, and it's just one thing after another. Second, we, this goes into the whole fight on indoctrination in schools. We eliminated critical race theory a couple years ago. When we did that, the media lied and the left lied, saying, you don't want to teach about African-American history, equating political activism and CRT with black history said, no, not only do in the bill, it says you've got to do all these things, teach about injustice, teach about discrimination. So these standards were born out of the fight against CRT because this is true history. So to take something and demagogue it like that, that's bad faith. And here's the thing. This was a public process. These guys were going through it. People could have raised objections. No one said anything about this. They were being lauded for the job that they did by people across the political spectrum. Now Harris comes in and parachutes. What Republicans should have done is push back against her, say, you are operating in bad faith. These guys down in Florida, they didn't have an agenda. They were just trying to shoot straight. We know what the left does. Republicans, you cannot take that bait. You've got to fight back against these people. I think this is a good argument and a necessary argument. Yeah. There are people who disagree with me. I, I don't have an issue with some of some Republicans saying, I don't love this part of the curriculum. But this all seems to me very bad faith, not really engaged in the facts of this. Yeah. And when that happens, if Kamala Harris and Trump are going to make up something out of whole cloth and accuse whoever they want to of it, then you must fight back. And I appreciate him doing this. He further the DeSantis campaign says they issued a letter. This is from the governor's office, actually, not the campaign. In Florida, we are unafraid to have an open and honest dialogue about the issues to Kamala Harris. And you clearly have no trouble ducking down to Florida on short notice. So given your grave concern, which I assume must I must assume is sincere about what you think our standards say, I am officially inviting you back down to Florida to to discuss our African-American history standards. We will be happy to host you here in Tallahassee. I will ask Dr. William Allen, instrumental in the development of our impressive new standards, to join. We welcome you, of course, to bring Randy Weingarten or someone else who shares your view about the standards. Some have said, and I'll get your take on this, Vic. Some have said strategically he just should move on from this. Like this is a this is a bad attack. It hasn't been a good week for you. You got to let this go and just turn the page. 
What do you think? I wouldn't dwell on it, but I would also definitely stand my ground and just say, hey, for the record, this is it. And I know we got all these other issues that we got to tackle regarding the economy or foreign policy or his declaration of economic independence, whatever it is that he's talking about. But the important thing is you can't just let this one lie because those things fester and then they take on a life of their own. And it's like it's not just a bad game of telephone, right? It's intentional. That it's intentional. Yeah, and they're for different reasons, either people who are running against him in the, in the primary or people on the other side of the aisle that want to say that, oh, you know, by the time, all they have to do is give it a slight spin. And once that thing starts going, by the time it gets to like the average, you know, listener or the average voter down in, in Florida, you know, they're going to hear, oh, I heard that, you know, he doesn't like black people and yes. there's no mention in the books. I mean, like that's how, so it starts off with a little thing, but you know, everyone starts talking about it and really a really quick sort of aside, but it's like, you know, the story about Brad Garrett, the actor comedian. And in the eighties, he opened up for Frank Sinatra at the Sands and he killed it. And he got so excited and got kind of carried away at the end of his bit, the opener, he said, you've been a great crowd, stick around for Frank. And then Jilly, who is Frank's handler, calls him aside and said, what do you mean stick around for Frank? You think that they were going to leave after you? You don't think that they're here for Frank Sinatra? No, I didn't mean it that way. The next day, Brad Garrett gets called into Frank Sinatra's suite where he's getting fitted for a tailor. And he said, you wanted to see me, Mr. Sinatra. And Frank says, yeah, what's this? I heard you said stick it to Frank. You know, oh, I mean, no. so it just takes on its own. And this is what's happening with this thing. I mean, again, go back to we were talking about the the black historian from Michigan mm-hmm. saying that, you know, they created this. And, and this is what he meant by it, about his great grandfather. Yes. You know, and and in the issue of slavery, you have to stop it. And you can't. And and DeSantis is right about you can never concede any ground because it's never enough. Well, this is my take, too, is that this is the problem that we had with the covid fight is that too few people. And I include myself sometimes because I was not loud enough. Too few people were willing to go to the mats and say, no, the thing you are saying is just Mm -hmm. not true. You are creating panic. You are creating a culture war. You're creating something that does not exist, and I will not accept it. And what DeSantis, what made DeSantis different from many other governors was that he was like, no, the data says this. You are creating something different with your narrative that is not true. And he, you almost, you have to go through the fire to the other side. And when you get through the fire, the truth actually has a chance, but you do have to push through it. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable yeah. because you do not want to be fighting on this ground, yeah. but I'm not sure you can afford not to. Yeah. And also the other problem for DeSantis is time is not on his side. No, that no, too. He, yeah. He's doing badly right now, not just in the polls, but financially. All those big donors, you know, you max out at 2,700, you know, that's, they're done, you know, and the, and the small dollar donations, they're not really coming in. I actually know two people who moved to Florida to work and they're already out of a job. Because they've taken about 40% of the staff is gone. So he's got to get to that August 23rd debate, I think it is. Yes. And he has to do amazing. And then that'll keep him going until the Iowa Um, caucus. By the way, on the the subject of finances and campaign finance, there was some interesting information that came out about what Trump's spending money on. Oh, right. Because DeSantis's records show him his burn rate being pretty high, right? And people were worried about that, as they should be. Trump, on the other hand... Maybe his burn right didn't show so great. It didn't show the same way that that uh-huh. Santa's, but that's because he has other entities spending right. money for him. Right. And one of the things that was revealed is that between January 1st and June 30th, 
Forty million went out the door for legal fees. Yeah. And services. So just so everyone knows, that's where your small dollars are. Yeah, your small dollars. Donations are good. And maybe, and people, you know, people I mean, again, actually are probably people fine don't have that. a problem with that. What did Trump say that, you know, he's not the one being indicted. The American people are being indicted, you know, or and, something to that effect. And I, I think you should proactively make that pitch instead of just money going to your campaign. And then it turns out it's paying whoever that lawyer yeah. chick is that I see on Fox all the time. So I yeah. just think you need to be straightforward about that. And I think a lot of people are probably fine with it. But no that any resources that go to that legal fight, which is yeah. which is increasing every day, mm-hmm. do not go to trying to defeat Joe Biden. No. It is a, that's a zero-sum situation. Again, and, and, and Trump's situation is also, again, he's dominating the polls. The I mean, latest polls show he's way ahead, right? The thing is his, the nomination is all, it's his to lose, but we're looking at another, a third or a fourth looming indictment or something yes. like that. Yes, we will, uh, we'll have to cover we will 40 minutes of his legal problems on mm-hmm. another show. It's probably happening as we're taping, because that's usually what happens. Okay. All right. Do you want to do a little bit of COVID nonsense? Oh, sure. Okay. We got to keep track of this, because we're the only people angry enough to just go back and hammer this stuff. (laughs) I do wish that people were more mad about it. We're trying to hold people accountable. We are. So this is from Jim Jordan's in the Oversight Committee. They released new information that is Facebook Files-esque, with new stuff coming out that essentially says, look, not only... Were they colluding with these social media companies to take down Americans' misinformation or disinformation, Mm -hmm. which I allege they clearly can't tell the difference and, in fact, are obscuring actual information frequently. But they admittedly worked with them to take down true information. And another part of that is that in some of these messages between executives, Facebook executives, and between the executives is that it's not just the White House pressuring them. It's the press. The White House and the press are pressuring them to remove, quote, vaccine discouraging information. That includes true discussion of, for instance, why the J&J was paused. Right. That was among the things. Not not misinformation, but discouragement. Yeah. And that seems to be kind of there seems to be a lot of wiggle room for that idea Mm -hmm. of of how do you interpret what is discouraging? I think that gives you a sort of broad power. Well, apparently, apparently even the White House got caught up in its own censorship mechanism that they'd been (laughs) pressuring Facebook to do, which tells you this is not a helpful way to right. have a discussion. Right. And I think when it came to vaccines in particular, you put people way in their corners by being such jerks about it right. and not letting anybody discuss it and letting people get fired for not taking it and not having any compassion for someone right. like, for instance, the woman who was fired by ESPN, who has spoken now openly about the fact that she was going through IVF she doesn't need to be taking something yeah. that messes with her body chemistry yeah. in that moment. She luckily didn't take it, got fired, had a lovely, beautiful baby girl. Yeah. So we're, I, I yeah. was proud of her at the time. Yeah. I'm glad she stood up for herself. But they created a situation where people got more and more angry at each other and that they lied to people about the efficacy of these vaccines. Yeah. I found a particularly interesting a transcript that was published between Nick Clegg, who is the head of global affairs and the VP for content policy, both at uh, Facebook. And Clegg says, he asks, can someone quickly remind me 
why we were removing rather than demoting labeling claims that COVID is man-made. There was that one. And the content policy director says, we were under pressure from the administration and others to do more. We shouldn't have done it. Well, too late. Oops. Yeah. And, and, And the White House so enjoyed having that power over social media, a private sector social media company under the guise, as you mentioned, of things like COVID discouragement. Right. And also threats to democracy. And as Joe Biden himself, he literally said, they're killing people. Oh, yes. They, right? The, the, the disinformation is killing people. The great uniter. Yeah. The great uniter. To your point also about origins, for instance, yeah. it has come to light also that a Nature article called Proximal Origins of COVID-19, which became yes. kind of the the banner under which all the Fauci's and Collins's and people who were organizing against the idea of the lab leak, they hung their hats on that. Well, it turns out they had something to do with that and that there's oh. a email exchange between Fauci and Collins while this paper is being created yeah. that says, yeah, no, we definitely just want to, we just want to quash this whole lab leak thing. And this is, this paper is how yeah. we're going to do it. So they used an academic paper in a reputable outlet openly with political considerations to say things that they knew were not true to the whole world. And we're all supposed to be like, I guess that's fine. Again, give Fauci his flowers. Yeah, no, give him his little sinecure over here at my alma mater, Georgetown. Great. The article appeared as the date indicates just as the spread of COVID was becoming apparent. It also appeared after Senator Tom Cotton said in a January in January 2020 that the virus could have leaked from China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens. But, uh, you know, they didn't want that information out there. Do you remember how Tom Cotton was pilloried in the media? Oh, yes. Even this is the thing. Even I was like, oh, is that uh, is that a conspiracy theory? But again, one of the reasons people were scared off of that is because there seemed to be actual scientific literature mm-hmm. yeah. reflecting that there wasn't a great chance of that. Yeah. Now, other brave writers, of, I always mention Josh Rogan at the Washington Post, mm-hmm. kept an eye on the ball and were like, it does seem possible and we should right. keep discussing this. And I do appreciate the Washington Post letting him write that, frankly. Right. And it turns out, yeah, that is something we should have been discussing the entire time. And these guys colluded to just tell you fake things. Just tell you fake things. Yeah. You're going to have to go back to like the early 2010s. And that's when these first cases were, were starting to be reported about these Chinese going into these caves, right? Miners going into caves and getting very sick. And it's from the bats. Yeah. And they brought those bats, not to the wet market, but to the lab and started tinkering around with how do you make this more infectious for humans by adding a spike protein, and, well, the rest is history. And that is not my crazy conspiracy theory. No, That's actually, these are things stuff. that actually happened, yeah. But at least now we know that those guys are giant liars after Fauci has you his know, flowers and perfect. his pension and yeah. all his soft focus interviews, That's right. wearing black turtlenecks in his backyard like a damn supervillain. Really, the turtleneck yes, was a move. Emphasis villain, okay. How dare you? Yeah. How dare yeah. you say anything okay. about Fauci? All right. We have one last story for you, Vic, and yes. I think you're going to like this one. Uh, yeah. You tell me how you feel about this. Enjoy alcohol without the hangover. And this isn't even just some Facebook ad that I clicked on. This is a Wall Street Journal story. This wasn't Google ads? Uh, no? Okay. Okay. 
What if you could indulge in your favorite cocktails with no hangover or other ill effects? That's one of the goals for researchers working to make one of the world's oldest vices less harmful. Some are developing hormone shots to help people sober up quickly. Others are working on alcohol substitutes that target receptors in the brain that affect happiness while dodging those that make imbibers slur and weave. Alcohol is like playing the piano with boxing gloves on. You hit too many keys, says David Oren, managing director of Gabba Labs. The London-based company is developing a synthetic alcohol that it says will bring pleasurable effects without hangovers, health problems, or slurred speech. Its basis is gamma aminobutyric you know, I can't do that, acid, to call in Fauci to lie to me about what that says, an amino acid that targets receptors in the front of the brain that trigger the relaxation and sociability alcohol brings while avoiding the chaos it wreaks on the body. Couldn't you just take Xanax? But anyway, okay. What do you think of this? I sometimes wonder if we are we are tampering with nature, okay? And maybe there is a reason that we should have these hangover effects to discourage us from drinking more than we should. You know why alcohol makes you sick? Because it's literally poison. Yes. So that you don't don't try to disguise the poison. So this is great. And then you die. You're just having minimal poison. That's the key. And to build up your tolerance slowly to the poison, much like in The Princess Bride. That's right. Very good. That's how he that's how he survived <laughs> yes. the Dread Robert Pirate. The Dread Robert Pirate Robert. Dread Pirate Robert. Robert. So when I was writing my vodka book, which is available on Amazon, Maurice Canbar was an inventor and he came up with the little defuzzit machine to get rid of the lint on sweaters and the multiplex. But then he always complained that after drinking wine, he'd get these terrible hangovers, right? And it's the congeners, the doctor said, all these congeners. And so he wanted to develop a spirit that would have minimal hangover effects. And the result was Sky Vodka, hmm. which is interesting because that used to be much more trendy than it is now. You almost yes. don't see a lot of S-K-Y-Y. And that's how Sky Vodka was born. And that was sort of a, a word of mouth campaign about the, you know, the minimal hangover effects until like the government got involved and told him, you really can't make those ah. suggestions. So he, he, I wrote about this not only in the book, but also I wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal. And Maurice Canbar, he's very old now, if he's still alive. He contacted me, was very upset that I would say that because he insisted he never had, he never said it. He did, but he changed the story. The bottom line is we've been, the bottom line is we've always been searching for this thing and Sky is pretty good. And I just want to let you know, I did my own test. As you should. As, as I should. And I have to unfortunately report to you that it does cause a hangover. I only had 10 vodka sodas and- did not feel so good. I got to tell you. Just a little bit of a headache there the mm-hmm. next morning. A little bit. By the way, this says the synthetic alcohol is a tasteless ingredient formulated to be added to versions of non-alcoholic drinks from beer to wine to spirits. The inventors say, what? I'm Now I'm just confused. So you're just putting a tasteless thing in a crappy tasting thing? Yeah. While you're at it, why don't you clone humans? It's on the same level of bad, <laughs> of wrong. Okay. Don't mess with God's creations oh, like hangovers. Geez. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, I'm already hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, and you can follow us at Getting Hammered Podcast, which you should. Y'all don't do this deal with the devil, with the fake alcohol. Use the real stuff. Get a hangover like a, like a real adult, uh, just like we're going to do in the next episode of Getting Hammered. Well, we will get hammered somewhat irresponsibly with another taste test. You guys liked it. We're going again. Tune in to the Nebulous Podcast. Podcast.